We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. It is Tuesday, December 19th, also known as Arvidas Sabonis' 53rd birthday, also known as DJ Steffens' 27th birthday, ex-Buck DJ Steffens, he who has played 15 NBA minutes, all in a Bucks uniform. Um, last night was basically Kobe night in the NBA. I think there were 10 games on the slate but if you were following the games via TV, via Twitter, via whatever else you were using, it was like 80-20 Kobe content versus non-Kobe content. Yeah. And in some ways, rightfully so. Uh, Kobe was probably, would you say, of the last 15 years, like the face, the overall face of the NBA? Or did you think did that stop after like 2010 and it kind of transitioned to LeBron? I I always viewed LeBron and Kobe like equally as the faces of the NBA. I mean, we're both relatively young. I mean, I'm 24, so mm-hmm. the only NBA that I've really ever known is included um, LeBron and Kobe. But yeah, I mean, Kobe, maybe it was LeBron over the past 10 years. I think maybe for the first five, Kobe was still in his prime and just scoring 35 points a game and 
at that point, it was it was hard not to view him as the face of the league. I think when LeBron went to Miami is when it really switched. Not necessarily from like a quality of play perspective or anything like that, but just from how big of a story that became and how much that pushed. It was almost LeBron was its own separate story along with the NBA. There was a lot of other cool things going on in the league, but I mean, you saw it in the way the league was covered. Like that's when ESPN launched the Heat Index, and you started seeing kind of the current structure of a lot of places NBA coverage where you have national reporters who were literally just assigned to cover one team. You know, Windhorse yeah. was basically wherever LeBron went, he was going to go. I think Tom Haberstroh, Amino Hassan was part of that, kind of a, a rotating cast. And now, you know, at that point, they had expanded to like ESPN New York, ESPN Chicago. And while those have kind of faded out, now we're seeing it with the Warriors, where it's not only ESPN, but, you know, the Washington Post, the New York Times, those type of publications are also sending people just to cover the Warriors. And I think LeBron to Miami started that. But not to get off track from Kobe, we're, you know, I'm only one year older than you, so I'm, we're kind of in the same range as far as how we viewed Kobe coming up. Were you ever a big Kobe guy as a kid? Um, I don't, I, I never, I didn't like Kobe, I think, as much as a lot of other people did. I didn't view him as like this. Like, I, I knew he was like amazing, one of the best right. basketball players of all time, but he was never at the top of my list of guys. I was, I was more of a LeBron guy um, and just random other players who came along then. Um, But I did like, I loved watching him and I thought he was good to watch for like playing basketball. Like if you need to, you know, try to Mm -hmm. pretend you're Kobe Bryant for some reason. He overlapped with Tracy McGrady for most of his career. So like it was just, it was never really an option. I was not a Kobe guy by any means, not a Kobe hater, probably in the same category as you in that regard. Like I wasn't, you know, my mom was not a big Kobe guy for obvious reasons in the in the early to mid two thousands. So that maybe had something to do with it. But I don't. I never really rooted against Kobe. I th- I do think it's interesting. Like he was the consensus best player in the NBA from probably oh four to oh eight. You know, and smart basketball minds maybe would have argued against that. The type of analytics that we use as common language now just honestly weren't really around back then. It was much more of a points per game discussion yeah. than ever before and I think I think in some ways that's kind of hurt Kobe's legacy right like it, it seemed like as the years pass he's kind of become more of a punchline and not not an overall punchline I, mean, I think overall people have been trends around respect for Kobe and they should but his career I don't think is going to age all that gracefully much in the same way that Allen Iverson's yeah hasn't you know you don't you still hear you, you hear people talk more about the feeling that you get when you watch Allen Iverson play or Kobe is this, this mentality, not necessarily the production, because we were just watching in the office before we came into the studio. Uh, Sports Nation was doing a best player ever, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or Kobe Bryant. And I, I turned to James Anderson, who hosts the podcast with me on Thursday, and we looked at each other. We're like, I don't know if Kobe's even a lock to be in the top 10. You could make an argument he's not a top 15 player ever. Yeah. I, I think he's probably in there, maybe in the 10 to 15 range, but that there's a very big gap i think between his perception and then what his career looked like when you actually dive into the numbers i think so too i'm glad you brought that up because when i saw those three names i was like why is kobe in here but but to the general fan he's in there you know yeah and so i and like the thing you brought up with Allen iverson it's just incredible watching a guy play 41 minutes and take like 27 shots Mm -hmm. And score th- like you know a third of his team's points every night. It's just it's it's great television. It's great entertainment. But yeah, I mean, when you 
like analytically and how we view the game today generally like if you look at like a Kobe's effective field goal percentage or something like that it's he had like three straight years where it was like 50 and then other than that it's hovering like 47 and then you're like you know mm-hmm. and people you know people get on Carmelo Anthony's case about taking however many shots a game and being marginally efficient at like 45 percent but mm-hmm. when you talk about Kobe it's an entirely different you know, people view it very differently when if Kobe, if if Kobe Bryant, how he existed in 2005 existed today, we would probably be talking about him mm-hmm. a lot differently. He came along at the right time, I think, because I don't it's hard for me to imagine Kobe succeeding in like a Rockets type of system. You know, and there are certain players that just wouldn't regardless. But he he was there at the right time when it was a very one on one type of league, a very you know, I wouldn't say mid-range dominant, but much more accepting and encouraging of the mid-range game. I mean, that Kobe made a living there, as did Michael Jordan. Uh, that certainly helped. Um, but, I mean, Kobe also did it defensively, too. It's like you can compare him to Melo and stuff like that. But he was he was a very good defender in his prime. Um, and, and I think that has to be accounted for as well. Maybe the most Kobe stat of all time. I'm looking at his accomplishments on basketball reference. Uh, four All-Star Game MVPs, one actual mvp okay like that, that that's a very very kobe thing uh to have happen he did finish tw- second once in mvp voting third i think three or four times so you know it's not like it was that far off but james asked me where how would you rank tim duncan kobe bryant kevin garnett and dirk nowitzki okay overall if, if you're just talking you know greatest players ever like where how do you do those for like in their prime like what's the yeah i think just you know if we're looking back if you're, you're just doing your all-time list of great players like where do those guys go oh man that's really tough overall accomplishments uh overall accomplishments i would probably go duncan mm-hmm. um then probably kobe then garnett then dirk i i have swapped kobe and garnett i thought about but it I mean, Garnett was so dominant on defense. Those, yeah. that's, that's close to me. Kobe was probably better for longer. Well, the accomplishments thing, if we're talking championships and that, if right. you just want to say, like, who in your in their prime or mm-hmm. something, I would consider, like, I would Garnett over Kobe, yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah. It's tough. Yeah, though. I mean, that's true. It's like You could make the argument, like, how many years was Kobe the undisputed best player in the league? The MVP award says once. You yeah. Know, but you're also looking at the other names that won those awards, and it's hard to... To really have any qualms with that, um, Kobe, yeah. I mean, any any other Kobe thoughts before we move on? I was on? just looking at how well he shot from mid range because I was interested. He brought it up um, for two seasons. Kobe shot over fifty percent from ten to sixteen feet, which is incredible. It's damn good. Yeah. Um, and so if you're, I mean, people, you know, people um, talk down the mid range jumper, but if you make half of them, you should take mm-hmm. them. Um, and so that kind of just speaks to how good. Uh, how good he was at what he did. Although right. that was that was in his twilight years. That was in 20, 2010, 11, it. and 2013, 14 that he did that. So I don't know. So he, was he overrated as a shooter, you think? I mean, career 30, 33.5% three-point shooter. It wasn't like he was chucking all that many of them. I mean, it was, he was only taking two, three a game for his first few years of his prime. Um, I mean, I guess if, if you want to... I'm not counting the last three years in that calculation because, <laughs> yikes, uh, he was like... 25% probably yeah. over over those years but yeah I, I do think the little the twilight years of his career going back to what I said at the beginning will in some ways hurt his legacy like the final moment of his career you know against the jazz well, that like that 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 was the most 
the second most Kobe thing ever besides having four All-Star Game MVPs. Yeah. Like that <laughs> that almost made up for all of the previous two years antics, you know, to go for 60 in your final game in a win at home after you've already gone on this huge retirement tour. Like that was super cool. But the way that he hamstrung that organization and the way that they're still in some ways feeling the effects of that massive contract he basically forced them right. to sign him to, like, I don't know. The casual fan probably doesn't remember that, but things things like that will will impact, I think, his long-term legacy. Yeah, and I think maybe he was overrated as a shooter, but he was so he was so clutch right. like that it you you kind of forgive that. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of those shots may have been if he hung on to the ball, he could end up in turnover. You you just right. you don't it's it's hard to you don't want to make revisionist yeah. history or anything like that but yeah i mean i can sit here and say i don't know if kobe's a top 15 player ever but if you're making a list of guys that if the game is tied and there's five seconds left and you need to get a shot off for the win he's in the top two you yeah. know so there, that that certainly means something uh let's talk about the chicago bulls okay talk about a, the transition so the bulls have now won six in a row we're told after last yeah. night's win <laughs> uh against the joel and beadless Philadelphia 76ers I I mean I I I was gonna say I feel like we were ready to write the Bulls off and like I'm still 100 I want to make it very clear I'm writing the Bulls (laughs) off after they started the year three and 20 but nine and 20 looks a hell of a lot better than three and 20 and these haven't exactly been impressive wins but still you're beating you know Philly who's been good even when Embiid's sitting Mm -hmm. Utah Milwaukee the win over Boston even though they were a little shorthanded they beat the Knicks, uh, Charlotte. I don't think Charlotte's good. That's not a good win, but still six games in a row for what was arguably the worst team in the league. Uh, and that happens to have coincided with the return, uh, of a certain Serbian power forward, foreign power forward. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, Miritich being back, he's been averaging basically 20 and 10, uh, over the past four games, which has, which caught me by surprise. Um, like I, you know, I knew Miritich was a pretty solid player, but he'd had some down years. It was, I mean, even the Bulls weren't that confident because they signed that, that deal that they signed him to was weird. It was like two years with a no trade clause in the first year, I think, because they were concerned about either how good he was or how good Markinen would be relative to him. And there was Portis and he's, yeah, he's turning it on right now. Yeah. I mean, I would say he's probably been the best player in the league so far who missed at least 20 games due to getting punched <laughs> in the face. I think that's safe to say him. I, as of like earlier this week, him and Portis still hadn't talked off the court, which is incredible. Like you'd have to go to great lengths to not even exchange pleasantries in the locker room. I mean, if they're passing each other on the team bus, is it just like heads down, but you watch them on the court, you you can't tell, you know, they right. on the court, it, it's fine. And I guess obviously long-term that's a dynamic that's not going to work, but the bulls have, Credit to them. I've somehow kind of been able to put this aside and and put together some some good team wins. Yeah, and I mean Bobby Portis hasn't lost too much playing time either. I think he basically took Cristiano Felicio's job. Not that that was probably particularly hard to do, but Portis is playing a lot of backup center, and so I think we we might see some interesting lineups where it's Portis at center, and then Markkinen at the four, and then Miritich at the three, mm-hmm. and then kind of like a Justin Holiday, Chris Dunn sort of thing. Chris Dunn's been playing really well too. Um, he probably deserves a shout out for that because a lot of people really early to write Chris Dunn off. And obviously like I wasn't, I wasn't super high on Chris Dunn, especially with his shooting being as poor as it was in his first year. But, um, over the past eight games, he's averaging 17 points, seven assists, two steals. 
um, 47% from the field. So yeah. he's, I mean, he deserves credit for their success as well. He's been good all year, really. I mean, especially by Chris Dunn rookie year standards, you know, 38% from three on the year. I mean, he's making one, less than one a game, but still 44% from the floor. I mean, these are these are up dramatically from from last year. The defense has been just as good. You know, yeah. he's doubled his per game assists. Uh, and he's doubled his per game steals too. That was kind of the big sell with him was he was so good on defense that you could kind of you could live with it. Yeah, you could live with him being taking a while to develop on offense. And now that that's come around, you know these wins for Chicago. I don't fluky is not the right word. Like they they don't obviously this isn't a good team, but you know it's it's not like they're just having these crazy games where somebody's hitting nine threes off the bench or the other team shoots twenty five percent. You know like they're they're like in some ways team wins where it seems like everybody is contributing um and that's kind of what you see sometimes with teams like i mean look at the heat last year basically you know eight nba players a couple d leaguers and some free agents you you throw it together everybody plays together and and you have a decent product it's seven guys in double figures last night against philadelphia for the bulls and this is well it's interesting too because this is the team that i think the the mold of team that Fred Hoiberg probably thought he was getting yes. when he originally got the job there. And I think that's what's kind of been lost in the shuffle is Hoiberg was handed this team of like three, essentially like, I don't want to call them star. I'm not going to call what, you know, Dwayne Wade and Rondo at the time, star players, but um, he thought he was getting like this young developing team. And he was a, he was a coach at college. And now that's what he has. Right. He has a young developing team and you know, it took, it was a really rough, you know, really rough first, like 20 games. Yeah. Um, but now, they everyone seems to be on the same page and they're still going to get Zach Levine back and so it's yeah it's interesting to see what's going to happen that's the other I completely forgot about Levine so he should be back I would I think it seems it doesn't seem too reckless to say first or second week of January that's that seems like what it's been trending they kind of like toyed with the idea of having him play in the G League which could delay his um, Mm -hmm. return by maybe like a week but yeah yeah I I mean it's mid-January probably at the latest right and you're throwing what is he 24 23 you know you're throwing another young guy into there and you know i again we hate to talk fantasy on this podcast he's 22 but he's only 22 he is 22 okay i mean where where, does he automatically become like a he's just gonna walk into what like 18 points per game he scored 19 a game last year right and you know and that was as at times the third option usually the third option yeah you just replaced justin holiday with zach levine right and you don't even have to replay it. You just slide Holiday over exactly. to the three. And, um, yeah, I mean, Levine could average 20, low 20s, mid 20, like 24. I don't know. We'll see how long yeah. it takes for him to get up to speed. But um, he's he could I, probably the highest usage on the team, I would right. think. I mean, if you're, if you're, like, looking at this roster with Levine back and you're ranking long-term assets, he's him and Markinen are far and away one and two. And then yeah. there's a pretty big drop off. And you have a lot, you know, David and Waba and guys like that who have been basically no cost acquisitions and who yep. have been pretty good. Like those guys are nice. But if you're talking true ceiling, Levine is probably, you know, I, if you had to do like an over under on like most all star games, you know, on this, he's the only guy that you'd say like, yeah, I, w- I think I would bet money that he'll make an all star game in his career. Markinen still too early to tell. Yeah. No one else on this roster really is, has, has shown quite enough for me to say that. Yeah, no, that that's exactly how I feel. Dunn it will be interesting, and mm-hmm. he's probably third on the list of those guys. Yeah, um, like him and him and Markin and to me maybe could be the same among all star games, but um, 
neither i mean both of them have essentially yep. played 20 nba games so yep. it's hard to tell well and now we can look at this roster long term and kind of play the same game we did when we were talking about memphis last week and it's like okay you have all these bad teams there's maybe eight to ten like truly bad teams in the nba and with the way that Dunn's playing, with Levine coming back, with marketing looking good, with Miritich and Portis both looking good, like all of a sudden the Bulls' like pit of despair roster isn't quite so bad, especially when you compare it to to some of these other teams that don't that don't have three or four guys you could really talk about as maybe being a future All Star. Yeah, and that's this is you know the thing that we've been seeing where these star players get traded and everyone's like, wow, the team got fleeced, or you know, yeah. uh, Pacers got fleeced, uh, Bulls got fleeced for Jimmy Butler, but. You know, and like, yes, of course, they're playing really, they're playing poorly. I think they'd rather have Jimmy Butler, but yes. Um, The Pacers thing is obviously, that's a, that's an entirely, that's a whole different story. Um, But the Bulls, you know, it it turns out like sometimes you just, you cut and, you cut and run from your star player. You get some nice assets and it can, it can work out and, you know, you're going to lose for a couple of years. But I think fans to some extent like the buildup, like Mm -hmm. the whole, like, like the 76ers process thing. They were really bad for four years, and obviously, like the fans don't like they don't like losing. But the, the, when it's building up, and you finally get that mm-hmm. one year where it looks like you're gonna make the playoffs, it's just insanely exciting. I think NBA fans are more than willing to be patient as long as you show competency as you develop. I mean, right. like Sixers fans, I think deserve a lot of credit for handling that the way they did. Like, I think maybe initially there was some backlash, but. Just it seemed like pretty much all Sixers fans were on board once they fully understood what exactly the process was, and you could argue whether it worked out as well as it could have. I would say no, but it still worked out pretty well, and they're in a much better spot now than it, than they were even when they were a good team. You know, the year before the process, they were a playoff team. You know, this is back yeah. when Iguodala and Drew Holiday and those guys like that was a, a good team that had they kept them together it was probably going to be a three through seven seed for the next four or five years. And they chose against that. And I think a lot of fan bases are smart enough to see what the reward is to, to that type of strategy. Yeah, I think, I mean, Hinky made that, I don't want to say like, quote unquote, mainstream. But now if, a, you know, if, if the Bulls trade Jimmy Butler, the fans know what's happening. Exactly, yeah. And so they're going to be more okay with that than, um, than in a lot of other situations. And now I think fans get upset when they, like, you know, if that... Um, there was that trade the Bucks made where they got JJ Redick and they traded away Tobias Harris. Dear yeah, God, yes. I'm sorry I brought that up. If that happened today, Ooh. they would get, I mean, they would get destroyed for that. I think in the in the media <laughs> well, by the I fans, think, you it, know, there's no excuse for that. I mean, well, so that to re, to refresh everyone, like they made that trade after, like basically at the All Star break, right at the deadline, to add JJ Redick to what was clearly nowhere near a contending team right. in the Eastern Conference, and they traded away their first round pick that year which was Tobias Harris, yeah. to do that and got no better. I think they made the playoffs and then got swept by that Heat team yep. in four games. Yeah, they triggered an 18-year-old Tobias Harris away and who looked pretty decent. Like, you look at his rookie stats, right. they're solid. The per 36 is there, like, and he passed the eye test. It just... There was no... It, I remember following this pretty closely. I'm sure you did, too. There was never a belief that J.J. Redick was going to resign... I mean, I remember where I was when this happened. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking, like, oh, the Bucks must know something. No, it was, like, clear that Redick didn't want to be there. He made it clear he wasn't going to resign. And it was like the Bucks knew all this and did it anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I, you can't get away with that anymore. So, I don't know. Maybe shout-out to Sam Hinkie for sure. bucking that trend. Shout-out to Sam Hinkie. Uh, shout-out to FanDuel as oh, well. Of course. Um, it is basketball season, so that means that is FanDuel season. 
Uh, FanDuel offers new contests starting every single day, even days like today when there are only three NBA games. So that means no busted seasons. There's something for everyone on FanDuel. Tons of contests to choose from starting at just $1 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer, go to FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Again, just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. So we should probably touch on the Pacers. Did you see the end of that game last night? Uh, yeah, I did. Pretty rough. Uh, not a good time to be Bogdan Bogdanovich or Bojan Bogdanovich. Uh, Bojan. Bojan. Bojan yeah. Bogdanovich. Probably not a good time to be Bogdan either because people probably thought it was him yeah. <laughs> and were probably tweeting at him about it. But you don't see stuff like this at the end of NBA games. This was like something that happens in an NCAA tournament game. Yeah. Uh, Bogdanovich, who is like an 85-plus percent free throw shooter, mm-hmm. just had to hold the ball. And there was there was so little time left that there really wasn't time for like a trap or a tie-up or anything. Like they were coming to foul him, and he's standing just inside the half-court line, throws, I don't even think it was tipped, just a really bad rainbow pass. Yeah, he rainbowed it. Which was intended for Oladipo. Terry Rozier steps in relatively easily for the steal, dunks it with about a second left. Uh, and that put the kibosh on what was a – Really incredible fourth quarter for Victor Oladipo and what would have been kind of another signature moment, I think, for him and what's been a, a pretty unbelievable last month. Yeah, and it is it is disappointing because the team is playing well, um, but exceeding essentially all expectations. And Victor Oladipo himself, obviously, is making a strong case for the All-Star game. And yeah, Bojan, all he had to do is, you know, like, w- what's the worst case scenario in that situation? It's a jump ball, maybe. Yeah. Like, you get tied up like holding the right. ball with two hands. And then the NBA, that's an actual jump ball. So more times coming off the clock. Yeah. Um, and not that not that I would necessarily trust him to wing a jump ball over anybody, but, you know, at least would, it would take time off the clock. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's really disappointing. And, you know, the Celtics, I I, I feel like they've been slowing down a little bit. They, have. they got off to that hot start. And I think it's kind of catching up to them as far as the, you know, their rotation isn't as deep as they would probably like. Um, and it's just a lot of rookies and a lot of, I mean, fringe rookies too. Um, I think it's starting to catch up to them a little bit. Obviously, they're really good, and they can they can pull out close wins like this because they play good defense and they force other teams to make mistakes. But, at, you know, it, it was really just the fault of kind of Bogdanovich there kind of messed mm-hmm. up the whole situation. Yeah, so Oladipo, 38 points, five rebounds, an assist, three steals. <clears throat> and a block um i think he might end up starting the all-star game I, I read i think it was paul flannery this morning wrote for for sb nation his kind of predictions as of now for the all-star spot and he had oladipo in the lineup and i, I kind of balked at that at first but when you think about it with as much time as john wall has missed you know there's it, it's kind of a lack of elite guards in the east right now and it's it's pretty tough to come up with a really, really compelling argument for anyone but him and Kyrie to, to make up that starting backcourt right now. Yeah, he's averaging 25 a game, four assists, 2.8 steals and blocks combined, um, three only three turnovers <laughs> despite like a usage rate. I think it's at like 30, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard not to give him a huge chunk of the credit, if not almost all the credit for how... how how well the team has done. Although obviously Sabonis, um, DeMontis Sabonis has played really well. Um, 
Miles Turner's been I, I don't know. I think we, we had that round table right. article um come out. We kinda I think some of us mentioned Miles Turner as being a bit of a disappointment fantasy wise this year. He's still play, he's still a good player, he's playing well, great shot blocker, but um he hasn't been as hasn't had a bigger role in the offense like I thought he would. He's basically been the same player as last year. Right. Which is not bad. He was a very good player last year, but I think I think if you had to he was on the short list of guys who you would think could make a major leap. You know, we're talking like adding four or five points per game, two, right. three rebounds per game, like big time leaps. And I guess they haven't needed him to. You know, no. it's not like he's handbreaking them by any means. It's just it just hasn't really been as he hasn't been as big a part of the offense. I think, you know, as I did our projections back in July, August, like I we had to go back in and adjust Oladipo because no one was projecting him to, you know, be using a third of the possessions when he's on the court. Right. Um, well, let's do another promo so I don't have to read these later. Okay. What's new in daily fantasy sports? Sports Yard, the latest daily fantasy soccer entertainment platform offering fun, fast, and fair contests. Sports Yard brings an enhanced platform with the fastest real-time participant point totals, high-quality user-friendly application, fun and engaging graphics, and a level playing field that will allow beginners the same opportunity to win as the experts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Create your dream team roster with no salary cap. Track your point standings in real time and feel like you're walking the sideline. It's easy to play and it's easier to win with SportsYard's lightning-fast interface and clear and current ranking system. SportsYard has signed a deal with Opta, the number one data provider for live sports scores, and they plan to expand outside the U.S. to the U.K., to Spain, to Australia, and Ireland. So go to www.sportsyard.com to sign up and play for free. Okay, we have about four more minutes before we're about to kick, get kicked out of the studio. Does Jason Tatum finish the year as a top five three-point shooter in the NBA? He's currently number one still, as he's been basically since opening night. Percentage? or yep. um, Top five? The top five is somewhat of an abomination right now. Yeah, can do, you, you, do you have it up? I do. Do you think you can guess? So Tatum is number one. He's the only player in the league who's qualified into shooting better than 50%. He's at 51 and a half. Bellinelli? Bellinelli is not on the list. Oh, okay. Oh, he's he might, he's yeah. not in the top 20 even. He might have missed a few games. He was mm-hmm. he was up there for a while. Right, early on. Um, I don't know. Eric Gordon maybe? No, percentage, he, like, in terms of total makes, he's got to be oh. up there, but I don't think percentage. Oh, you're doing percentages. We're, yeah, field goal percentage. Okay. Um, man, Corver. Corver's number 11. I uh, see. I, I, can't, I don't even okay. know at this point. Number two, Al Farouk Aminu. Obviously. Of, co- oh, of course. Obviously. Number My three, bad. George Hill. Number four, Tony Snell. Number five, Etwan Moore. Tony Snell is the only one that I feel like I could have maybe... God, but like I, I never think of. I don't even. That Tony I, Snell's having a year. All right, there's no two ways. <laughs> there's no two ways about it. He's having a year. Uh, yeah, that's. I don't know what to. I don't even know what to make of that list at all. The George Hill is completely out of left field. Is I mean, is that all he does for the Kings? Because I, yeah, I was under like the impression that he was three. He must just be doing nothing but making open threes. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's 35 of 73 on the year. Okay. That's pretty well, good. I, it's like I, seven percentage points better than last year. I suppose I have to respect that. <clears throat> yeah, uh, but he's been pretty much horrible at everything else. So <laughs> got to kind of find a medium there if you're George Hill. All right, we yeah. got one more minute left. Any Anything 
you really want to hit on anything you've been uh, dying to talk about last week? Not dying to talk about, but I was thinking I uh, I wrote a short Clint Capella article for Bleacher Report today, and it got me thinking about DeAndre Jordan because Clint Capella is basically playing better than DeAndre Jordan averages wise and is like 10 less minutes a game. And so I, I got to thinking about DeAndre and I looked at his shooting stats do you want to, now I'm going to make you try guess. Do you want to guess how many hook shots DeAndre Jorgen has made this season or attempted either one? Uh, is there like a limitation on like the degree at his arm has to be to qualify as a hook it, shot? That's whatever basketball uh, I'll say he made, he's made 11. He's made six hook mm. shots on 23 attempts this season. So okay, that's not great. Not great. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that he would be, I, like, even with Chris Paul gone, I thought maybe they'll feed him in the post a little bit. I know he wasn't great mm-hmm. at that. I was like, maybe they'll just let him brick him. They, I mean, he shoots one a game, and yeah. he bricks it every time, so I don't understand what that's about. That's interesting. This has, in some ways, been a referendum on what Chris Paul meant to the Clippers. Yes. Obviously, they've been hurt. And they were, I mean, they were 5-1 and one to start the year, but even before the injuries, things started to spiral, especially DeAndre. And it, it just like it makes me feel like DeAndre is not a max player at all, and that he's probably only really useful on a contending team. I think yeah, it's the system, right? And like he'd be, I think he'd be great in Capella's role. But it's like if you're, yeah, you'd like to have DeAndre, but wouldn't you rather have the guy who's six years younger and, and cheaper, being paid less? Exactly. Right. So yeah, that's that's just something interesting. That is very interesting. All right, that'll do it for us. Short one today. We'll be back on Thursday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.